What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Unhinged Talk. I'm your host, Patrick Hennessy, and as usual, I'm joined by a guest today, Dan Rourke. Pat, man, what's up, bro? It's been a while. It's been a long while. I feel like we say that every time. I feel like in a minute. Yeah, because we take like four to five week hiatuses from doing this. That's why. I know, I know. But with the impending launch of Unhinged Media, we are going to get back on track and the season's starting up soon, and the Yankees have a lot of hot topics to talk about. So we figured, why not hop back on, and let's get this ball rolling once again. Absolutely, man. I'm pumped. I'm very, very pumped to talk some Yankees baseball with Patrick Hennessy. As always. <laughs> As usual, right? So, um, yeah, man. I want to say the first topic that we should uh, just jump right into is uh, John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge. Um, there's been a lot of talk over the past year of these two being a quote unquote injury prone, uh, seemingly the Yankees two biggest sluggers can't stay on the field and to start spring training in 2020, it's not really that much different. Uh, Stanton played in, I think one spring training game and then he had a calf strain and then judge hasn't even, has he even had batting practice yet? No, he's not taking BP yet. He's taking dry swings uh, yeah. um, off the tee, and he's taking soft toss. So, he's done his defensive reps, but no, nah, he's not gotten into the cage yet. Yeah, both are already in question for starting opening day, so that's definitely not what you want to hear. Uh, what do you think yeah, about these injuries? I think more so Stanton. Um, well, I think they're two separate cases with the whole injury-prone thing. Heading into this year, I'm... Not willing to call Aaron Judge injury prone. Besides a 95 mile or fastball to the wrist, he's had one injury that kept him off the field um, since 2017. Well, I mean, um, but with Stanton, he what? technically should have been on the disabled list in 2017 with the with the shoulder injury when he was just putrid well, yeah, for I mean, over a month. But in the narrative that people call Judge a pussy for not being able to play through injuries, that doesn't go with that. Oh, I, I would never call him a pussy. serious shoulder injury. No, I know, but there's people out there that will. Well, yeah. Um, but in 2017, he played through that shoulder injury, and he got cortisone shots, and he finished the season really, really strong. So yeah. I think if anything, that's props to him. Uh, but with Judge, I don't know. I mean, if he misses time this year, and it's kind of the same with Stanton, I have no problem calling him injury prone. If Judge yeah. misses some significant time this year, if Stanton misses significant time this year, it's tough not to call them injury prone. But it's just it's so frustrating because like. These are two of the best players in baseball. And it's like, I don't understand. Like, you don't see Mookie Betts missing in time of every season with injuries. It seems like it's only the Yankees. We can't keep one of our best pitchers on the mound. We can't keep our best hitters on the field. And it, I don't, at this point, you can't even blame the training staff because we have an entirely new one for this season. So who do you blame at this point? Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that Judge and Stan are six foot six, six foot seven? Because I never really bought into that. I don't. I, never really I don't think it. so. But, but everybody has. Everybody always said that that it's tough for a person of that size to stay healthy, and I always thought that just didn't really make much sense. It doesn't. But make maybe sense. that. Maybe there is something to that. You know, maybe that has something to do with it. I don't. Because if you know, if Stan and Judge, that's back to back year. If they miss time this year, that's back to back years. Of I. This. Stanton more so, because he played just 18 games last year. Judge at least played over 100. Well, I wouldn't say it has to do with their size. I think it's more of the workload. And 
As a professional baseball player, I think they're training too much like football players and basketball players. As a baseball player, oh, I, couldn't I, agree more. I don't think you need to be lifting 400 pounds. It's just, it just makes you bulkier. Like, baseball's not a game of bulk. It's just not. It's a game of yeah. finesse and and just control. So no, yeah, I agree with that. When totally. Stanton's posting I think these videos in the offseason. A off lot of season, these guys are working way too hard. I just, I genuinely don't understand why these guys feel the need to have to add like 50 pounds of muscle every offseason, especially when it's clearly not working out for your health. I mean, sure, you look fucking ripped, ripped and jacked as hell, but like it, it just prevent it causes more injuries because your body's not able to sustain a 162 game season. You know, I'm with you totally 100%. With Stanton, though, we can stomach that. I feel like Judge, that would be a huge blow. If if we lost Judge for the year, that puts us into a whole different ballpark of panic. You know, with yeah. Stanton, we can stomach that injury. We stomached it last year. I mean, we stomached Judge as well, but Judge is a superstar. Stan's a superstar, but impact on the field, everybody knows that I say this. I think when healthy, Aaron Judge, most impactful player in, ba- in all of baseball, right next to Mike Trout. Oh, Stan, I agree. not so much. I mean, they're both really important. They're both really really important players stand though i think we can get by that we have we do have the depth for it. i mean we see miguel and duhar in left field he's left okay we do have clint frazier we have mike talkman you guys know i want to see that uh i want to see him play every single day judge though we we can't afford that so let's say you're setting the yankees outfield for 2020 opening day who is your left fielder center fielder right fielder with judge and stand out yeah okay yeah um well, Gardner will be in center, even though Talkman probably should. You just know Gardner will be in center. I would put Duhar at DH, Clinton left, Talkman in right. Or vice versa, you put Clinton right, Talkman in left. Okay, so you put Gardner in center, correct? Yeah, I mean, that's what I know is going to happen. Yeah. He's going to be the center fielder, but Talkman probably should be out there if you look at defensive analytics. I mean, I think I'm putting Gardner in center. I'm putting Frazier in right. And I'm putting Talkman in left. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. I, yeah. I think Frazier's uh-huh. just... I think that if he even improves his defense, like, minimally, he's, like, a vital asset to the Yankees. He has, like, an awesome bat. Like, I understand, like, his defense was absolutely atrocious last it year. It can be awesome. He, he's he's very similar to Gary. I feel like he gets very streaky. Yeah. When he's hot, there's no better hitter in baseball than him. Honestly, like, he, he, he just destroys the ball. Defense, I'm honestly not too worried about that. He just can't get off to a sluggish start with it. Because I think a lot of it has to do with confidence. And if Clint Frazier, say on opening day or whenever his first game is, if he takes one bad route, misses one fly ball, makes one errant throw, I think that's where the snowball starts to fall. Yeah, I feel like it's all a mental game for him. Oh, and that's a lot with Clint. You know, the whole mental thing, that's, that's a big aspect of it. So if he can just, you know, don't let the cookie crumble, make a few plays, get your confidence up... I think not only would that help him with the fans, but it may also help his offense as well. You've seen a lot of players talk about when they're playing well on defense, it carries into their offense. And same deal, vice versa. If you're struggling at the plate, you may take it into the field. So overall yeah. with Clint, I think more than anybody on the team, confidence is really big for him. And we also talked about this before we uh, we got on air here. You mentioned the possibility of the Yankees taking a flyer on Yasiel Puig with all the outfield yep. injuries and maybe signing him for a one-year deal. I told you that I think that there's there's nothing to lose in that case. Like there's no, there's no bad such one thing year as a deal. bad one year deal. Exactly. Yeah. 
So Puig would, he's an electric player, like, like him or not. He would just give the Yankees a spark in their lineup that they would desperately need having both Judge and Stan injured to begin the season. Maybe. I, I'm not going to say he's going to be like a total game changer. I could totally see it. But, yeah, no, I brought this up. Like, when I first thought about the idea, the possibility of Judge and Stan, I'm talking significant injuries. If they have a significant injury that you know is going to keep them out, say, three-plus months, more so with Judge, because I'm not going to lie, there is an underlying feeling with me, kind of like how I had with Severino and people felt with Severino, where you just feel like any day now, yeah. the ball's going to drop. You're going to get the notification on Twitter from Meredith Morakovic or Jack Curry, Aaron Judge, torn labor, something like that. If something like that happens, where you know Judge is done for the year and you don't know when Stan's going to be coming back, a one-year deal for Yasiel Puig, I mean, can't really go wrong with that. He has regressed. He's not as good as he uh, once was when we saw him come into the league in 2013, but still league average offensive player, above league average. Uh, he had a couple good weeks with the Indians last year after he was traded. Maybe a change of scenery was what he needed, and we know what New York can do, a, a playoff team, what that can do to a player. We saw it with Ichiro kind of revamped his, or revived his career yeah. a little bit. I think if we bring Yasiel Puig to the Bronx on a one-year deal, maybe five, six million dollars, you could see a pretty exciting player, especially with that short porch out in right. Puig does go opposite field, and if you stick him out there in right field, I'm not too concerned about his defense. I would not put him in left field. Because contrary to popular belief, Yankee Stadium left field, that's real tough to play. It's a very yeah. wide outfield. They don't want Puig out there. Not that I'm too worried about his defense. I had one guy on Twitter today tell me, no, I'm opposed to signing Puig because his defense is terrible and he'd be a clubhouse, you know, he'd be yeah, chaos he, in the clubhouse. He's an average defender. Two things about that. Like I said, there's more. he's had more seasons playing above league average defense than below league average defense. Last year, he was right around league average. I think he had like one defensive run saved. He had a yeah. positive ultimate zone rating. So defense, he's he's not great. I'm not expecting him to be, you know, an elite right fielder or wherever he's going to play. But he can, you know, he can well, serve also, in the outfield just that, fine. And while, while giving you a spark in the offense. That's not what saying? they would be signing him for either. They wouldn't be signing him exactly, to be like yeah. this stellar defensive outfielder. He would be like just a veteran presence in the lineup until they get healthy. Like, that's all it would be. Think of it like uh, like getting Kendrys Morales last year. That's exactly Dude, what it would be. And if he sucks, you just get rid of him. I had people on my Twitter saying uh, the same thing to me. They're like, well, what are you going to do when Hicks, Judge, and Stanton do come back? I'm like, you know what you do? Use my little friend called the DFA. You can DFA him. You can trade him. Whatever you want to yeah. do. This is It's a one-year deal. It'd be a one-year deal. It would just be temporary. And back to the whole defense thing, one thing I just want to talk about that really, really bothers me. You know, I'm so into analytics. I'm on Fangraphs every single day. That's really how I base my, you know, perception of a player is based off advanced analytics. Some kids, though, some people, they go on Fangraphs for like one or two times, and all of a sudden they think they're experts on defense where they don't – they see a player doesn't have like plus 20 defensive runs saved, and they're like, oh, he's a negative defender. We can't sign him. Unless Yasiel Puig was like a negative 10, negative 15 defensive run saved player or like to the point where it actually would make a difference, mm-hmm. then I understand your point. He's borderline above average defensively, so I don't think that's an issue at all. The clubhouse thing, they say he can be toxic. I guess it is known that he is kind of a toxic player, but yeah, he's not coming I mean, into the Yankee clubhouse. And that may have been with the Dodgers where he was one of their longest player, tenured players up until he was traded. That's not going to fly in the Yankees clubhouse. No. It's not. And you think Yasiel Puig's, do you think Yasiel Puig's going to come in to the Bronx 
and what start causing chaos with guys like Judge, Stan, Garrick. Get the fuck out. Yeah, of there, it's not there's no. Ch- I mean, that's also the that- reason why he's still a free agent, and it's March. It's March, and he's still a free agent. So that's the primary yeah, I think reason. A place like New York could be exactly what Yasiel Puig needs, and maybe it was what the Yankees need as well. The only reason I brought those two things up about the defense and the clubhouse thing is. I think that would be the only negatives you could bring up about yeah. signing him, and I don't really buy into them either way. You know, his offense, he's like I said, he's not as good as he used to be. Yeah. But he's still, I mean, for a one-year deal and a flyer deal when we have Judge and Stan out, I'm not asking this guy to, you know, start in the playoffs and lead us to a World Series. Yeah, but it's, it, just, it's just a fill-in. That's all it is. I mean, we picked up Cameron Maven last year. He was great for us. But say... Say it's, I don't know, whatever it was, April last year when we picked up Cameron Maven. You don't know what he's going to do with the Yankees. Who would you rather have on a one-year flyer, Cameron Maven or Yasiel Puig? I mean, you would have be, to go with Puig, Puig at that point. It'd be Puig, and the reason I'm saying that is if if we're taking Cameron Maven on a one-year flyer, what's wrong with taking Yasiel Puig on a one-year flyer? I and like I said, this is only saying if Stanton and Judge are out. Yeah. If they're not, then it's not even a conversation. Yeah, no. You know? but it's, since, it's more so theoretical. Since we're on the top of injuries here, um... In the starting lineup is not the only place where the Yankees do have injuries. Uh, Luis Severino is out for the season with Tommy John surgery. He's probably not even going to yeah. be back for the beginning of next season either. Oh, definitely not. No, he'll be out at least for um, July. And James Paxton will probably he's out too, and he'll probably be back uh, beginning of May. They said maybe June. Paxton's been one of the few people or the few players that have had some like optimistic news when it comes to the injury, yeah. or at least no setbacks. Like everything's going well. Yeah. With Paxton, I actually wouldn't be surprised if he's back the last week of April, believe it or not. He's a um, champ. Yeah, it's like the latest, unless there's a setback early May. I love Paxton. I'm I love Paxton. James Paxton. Oh, I, hope he, I hope it gets resigned. It may come between Tanaka and Paxton after this year because they're both Who would games. you go with? It's. I mean, who's the better pitcher? I mean, obviously it's Paxton, but you got to think money. Paxton, assuming all goes well for him once he comes back through the rest of the year, he may get paid Zach Wheeler money, if not more. Yeah. Know? Tanaka, on the other hand, you're looking at a player that's probably going to make fifteen to eight, maybe fifteen to seventeen million dollars a year if he has like another Tanaka like year, maybe better than twenty. He wasn't amazing in twenty nineteen. He wasn't great. wasn't even that good. But if he can have like a typical Tanaka year, you know, like a three point three point seven to a four ERA, you know, perform in the postseason like usual, he'll probably get maybe fifty to sixty million dollars. While Paxton may get one twenty. So I mean, you yeah. may be able to get Tanaka for half the price, but do you want to go after Paxton, who is the better pitcher? So I mean. I'm not too sure yet. You know, I'm the biggest Masahiro Tanaka fan out there. I want Tanaka back bad. I really, really do. I, I do, do think it's going to come between the two of them. I doubt both of them come back. I think anybody could tell you that. Uh, but, yeah, with Paxton, there's some good news on his front. So he could be back uh, maybe before the uh, start of May. Yeah, but with those two on the shelf to start the season, the Yankees do have two open spots in the starting rotation. Um, I'm assuming Jordan Montgomery is locked in for the rotation Yeah, no, at this I was going to – let me cut you off there. I was going to say, I think – Montgomery, he had leverage going into this thing as who the number five guy was probably going to be with Paxton out. I think at this point, though, pa- uh, Montgomery's the lock yeah. for number four. I think there's really only a competition for number five. So at that point, I think we're we're hearing three names for that. Maybe maybe they work with an opener, but uh, I've heard Michael King, Clark Schmidt, and uh, Debbie Garcia. And I think the only logical option would be King. Because uh, I know Garcia only has minimal experience at AAA, and I'm pretty sure Schmidt has he even reached AAA yet. No, his highest level is a uh, Double A. Yeah, Schmidt's polished. Uh, polished. He, uh, I don't think he's gonna start the the season with the club. 
I think they want no, to see No, but he could be an impact play. player in the middle same, of the season. Same with well, that's the thing. That's the thing I was going to say with Schmidt is that he can expedite the process pretty quickly. I mean, his makeup is off the charts according to the scouts. They think he's ready. They just want to make sure he can handle uh, the workload because yeah. he's another guy had Tommy John surgery. We drafted him. Yeah, I think like a week after he had Tommy John surgery. Yeah, um, I've seen a lot of Kluber uh, comparisons have been with prospects lately. But I'm really big on Clark Schmidt. Debbie Garcia, I think it's the same deal. The Yankees want to see him conquer Triple A first. He was really good single A and double A last year. He's another guy. He extended through the uh, minor league system fast. Got to triple A, struggled a little bit. I think his ERA with triple A was like either high fours or maybe in the fives. But he still was striking out a lot of batters. This guy has electric stuff. I don't think it'll be Schmidt or Garcia right away. I agree. I think it's going to be King. Yeah. Um, there's Sessa as well. There's Jonathan Loisiga. Um, John, yeah. uh, who else? There's, uh, there's one guy I'm forgetting. Uh, but yeah, they... You could also go with the, the, the opener. I'm forgetting one person. Uh, they could go with I, the I was opener. bring that up too. The opener. I think that's yeah. a possibility as well. Going back to what I said about Paxton, I mean, if this guy, say, best best case scenario, I think we would agree for Paxton is like last, maybe makes a start day before April ends. So let's just say last week in April. Mm-hmm. That'd be what, four or five starts he's missing, give or take? That's not that bad whatsoever. I'm If we, if we want to go with an opener during that period, that's totally fine with me. Yeah, no, I mean, also the opener was, like, extremely successful for us last season. Um, We had some crazy was, good record. That stat's a little bit skewed, though, because, yeah, we were really good win-loss-wise, but that's because our offense was so nuts. Chad Green, he was really the only good part of that opening process. Remember we would always go Green to Nestor Cortez? Yes. I... Nestor Cortez, that, that that was overblown. People acted like that was, like, a godsend of a duo. Yeah. Green was good. Cortez... He had, like, one or two good outings, and everybody thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. He was not that good. I don't think anybody ever really thought that about him. Say, And that's why, like, if if they were leaning towards, say, going with, like, a Loisiga or a Sessa, which I don't think they're going to do. I think they look at them more so as bullpen pieces. Then just go with the opener. You got green for two innings, and then hand it off to, you know, a Loisiga or a Sessa. I've liked how Sessa's looked, not even just last year, but also so far in the spring. So I think that could be a little, like, a nicer opening duo than it was with Cortez. But if they do go with a set number five guy, like a legitimate starting pitcher that's going to give you five, six innings, I'd probably say it's going to be Mike King. Personally, like, I think that Loisica might be our next Ellen Batanzas. Like, I think his stuff is much more suited in the bullpen. And we, we saw it in the postseason last year. He dominated Houston. Like, it was it was beautiful to see. Did he? Did he dominate Houston? Yeah. It, wasn't it uh, I agree with you. ALCS game like six? That, I'm trying to remember, but I did he? Um, but I remember game two where Correa hit the walk-off. I remember Loisiga started the inning that Jay Happ eventually came in. Or yeah. He started the game, the inning, was sloppy, walked a few batters. His walks are a little bit out of control. Happ came in, finished that inning, and then Happ started the next Maybe inning, I'm thinking of Sessa pitching well in game six. Maybe. No, Sessa pitched well. Sessa... He had actually a pretty decent season last year. That This is why you can't look at ERA for pitchers. He had like a 3.6, 3.7 ERA all season long. Remember he had that one bad game in Texas that yeah. uh, just rose to a 4.11. But with Lois Sega, I look at him more so as maybe a Chad Green, you know? Yeah. He has that 97-mile-an-hour fastball that he can reach up to. He's sometimes even 98 out of the bullpen. He has the electric curveball. I think Lois Sega, he could be – I look at him as maybe another Chad Green. I think the Yankees, they, they want to turn one of those guys into a solid reliever piece. And I think Loisiga is going to be that guy. Maybe even Debbie Garcia. I agree. I'm not too sure if Debbie's going to be a starter. Yeah, I'm not you too know, sure I mean, either. He's five foot nine, which we don't see too many successful starting pitchers at that height. Besides, you know, Mark Stroman. I'm sure, there's a couple other guys out there as well. Sonny Gray. But I think Debbie Garcia. He made 
He, yeah, but he's like five eleven. He's not five nine. Oh, five, really? five nine is short, bro. I'm not, I'm not, not in terms of baseball season. I mean, <laughs> in terms of baseball season, but uh, or in terms of uh, a baseball team, but um, no, yeah, I would say uh, Garcia is probably going to translate to the bullpen in the future. But Clark Schmidt, bro, people got to keep an eye on him. I'm, I'm so pumped. So I'm really excited about Schmidt. Schmidt. We'll see him at some point this year. I yeah I agree and also don't forget he would be coming back to a rotation that does have Paxton so I mean at this point I want to say if Montgomery really bursts out onto the scene this season I don't know if the Yankees will resign Paxton he might take Paxton's role as our dominant left-hander and then maybe the Yankees resign Hap to a one-year deal if he performs decent this season so then you already have those two spots filled and then you resign Tanaka, and then Severino's going to be back healthy, and you already got Cole. I never would have thought I would have called you crazy just thinking about the thought of, re, of bringing Hap back on a one-year deal. But to be honest, I bet you if Hap pitches say thirty, yeah, maybe thirty games started this year, and maybe has like a four-ish ERA and is decent, I wouldn't be surprised to bring him back on like a one-year twelve mil, a one-year twelve mil. Because but, at um, that point, like you can never have enough starting pitching depth. Like all the people that were calling for Hap to be traded this offseason. Imagine if they would have traded him for nothing. They would be absolutely screwed right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Hap is, he's what, our, our three starter right now? He is, yeah. 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 Right now it's Cole, Tanaka, Hap. But yeah. with Montgomery, he went from being a guy that was like, oh, what can we get from him, you know, a year off of Tommy John surgery, to we kind of need you big time. Now, yeah. Jordan Montgomery is going to play a huge role. Yeah. Clark Schmidt, I think, now I figure we're probably going to get a guy by the july 31st deadline but if there was one prospect that we wanted to like look at as our acquisition like we did with severino back in 2015 clark schmidt that's the one guy i'd be okay with i agree debbie garcia no i would be okay with assuming he pitches well in triple a to start out the season and he's looking good and there's no you know health issues i would be okay with clark schmidt coming up and taking that fifth spot yeah and to be completely honest with you like i haven't been this excited about a pitching prospect for the yankees since severino I can't think of, like, the last young pitcher that came up, and I was like, damn, like, I'm really excited to watch him pitch, and Schmidt is that guy. Mm-hmm. He just has oh, that Schmidt's potential. A beast, Absolutely. 100%. So, if he could come out on the season and just fuck shit up in the Bronx, that's all the Yankees need as a sign in the offseason to be like, wow, maybe we don't need to spend $200 million on Paxson and Tanaka. Yeah, and another big thing, too, is with the whole free agency that we were just talking about with Tanaka and Paxson's future looming, the Yankees are looking for young, controllable starters that they know are, like, solidified in their rotation. You get a good year out of Jordan Montgomery this year, bring up Clark Schmidt as well. That's two guys that you know you can count on for years to come. I mean, we kind of know that already anyways, but it'd be nice to kind of solidify that now, this year in 2020, yeah. heading into an offseason where we could potentially lose two pitchers to free agency. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I think we'll get one or the other. I have a feeling, it may, I have a feeling Paxson may walk. I think the Yankees bring back Tanaka. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. The Yankees like Tanaka. I, I, I don't see Tanaka leaving. I think he wants to be here. It's, it's just a good, a good marriage. I feel like, and he's not going to get. He's not going to be overpaid. Only thing I can see, or the only scenario I can see Masahiro Tanaka being overpaid on, is if like a team like say the Angels wants to convince their fan base that they're getting an ace in the offseason. Like you could put a spin on it that Tanaka is still an ace. Like you could look at him because yeah. he has an ace mentality still. I wouldn't be surprised if some team like overpays him to get their quote-unquote ace you know, i would picture like a bum garner deal something like that like may, yeah. some team may be dumb enough to give him five years and i feel bad saying that because i love i think tanaka is i love tanaka 
Yeah. I would never give him five years. Neither Especially, I. I mean, I hate when people bring this up, but when you're talking a five-year contract to a 31-year-old pitcher, that partially torn UCL that he yeah. still has, yeah. that would loop in the back of my mind. Yeah. No other scenario does that. I, I hate when people bring it up. It's annoying. It's been six years now, or five years, since he had that torn UCL. Yeah. But in terms of a five-year contract, then I start thinking about that. So I would say maybe a three- or four-year deal for Tanaka. Um is pretty reasonable. Paxton, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves. Yeah, I mean, I would just say the bottom line here with all of the injury stuff and pitchers, and the Yankees are still going to be damn good in 2020. Uh, they're oh, still yeah. going to win the American League East. It just matters if Garrett Cole is going to be enough to get them over the hump in the playoffs, and that's really it. And if the, if the offense is going to show up, because the offseason died in the postseason last year, so at this point, we just have to sit back and watch and hope for the best. Yeah, I mean... It's crazy that, like, with all these injuries, we're looking at potentially, you know, obviously Severino's out for the year and into next year. Paxton's out to start of the season. Judge and Stan could be shelved for opening day. And I'm honestly still so confident we're going to end with yeah. the AL East. Honestly. I'm not even kidding. I'm not being, like, I'm not being a cocky Yankees fan. I'm still pretty confident we're going to get through the regular season just fine. That's why you got to look towards October. So I'm not, I, I wasn't sweating the Paxton injury even when it happened. I know? agree. It was annoying because you want to see the guys on your team healthy. But yeah. he's gonna be back by May. We want like this is same thing I was saying with Stan. If he misses a week and then performs the rest of this year, plays well in October, nobody's gonna remember that he was out on opening day. So all yeah. that matters is what happens in October, you know? Yeah. We gotta have our offense improve. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a bat by the deadline. Honestly, I be surprised this may either. be a hot take. I think it's tough because I'm not too set on this. I wouldn't be shocked. Let's just say this. I think there might be a higher chance we get a bat by the deadline than an arm. Because of guys like Clark Schmidt. Like Encarnacion last year? Something like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, back to the whole thing. If Judge is out for the whole year, I tweeted this out. I mean, let's not even say that. (laughs) No, no, I'll I'll talk about it. Because I'm just going to be real about it. Everybody on the internet knows that I'm the biggest Judge supporter this planet has ever seen. I call myself the defender of Aaron Judge. But I have a very, very tough feeling in my gut that we're going to get some news that we don't want to hear about Judge. Because... When you have countless MRIs that show up clean, tests that show up clean, everything's hard, test negative, all that, and you're still feeling lingering soreness after two days ago, you were feeling great and game ready. Yeah. That's what get me. That's what get, gets me concerned because that was the same deal with Severino. It seemed like that was the same deal with Stan last year. If Judge does have to miss significant time this year, let's just say, God forbid, going back to the whole torn labrum thing, if that's going to be a thing, I hope it's not. He's out for the whole year. Yeah. Come July, the Yankees should make a trade for Francisco Lindor. Yeah, I'm 100 yeah. percent down with that. Star power, bro, and some idiots are gonna be like, "Lindor doesn't play right field." That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is, you lose Judge, you lose star power. You add Francisco Lindor, you add that star power back. A player who has to keep. We've seen Francisco Lindor put up seven more seasons. This guy is a stud. Yeah. You just slide Glover back over to short or to second. I mean, pull Lindor at shortstop, and all of a sudden you have a switch hitting, prolific hitter, one of the best hitters in baseball. And the guy's a stud. He would have him under, under control next season as well. I think that would be a move the Yankees would have to make. I agree. judges out for the entire year. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, I'm hoping Judge is not out for the year. Um, hopefully, he's back brought- by the home opener. Uh, Dude, if he's healthy, he's my pick for MVP. Yeah, same okay, here. I'm, not, I'm serious. Like, I genuinely mean that. If when Judge I, is healthy, he could I win say, MVP every season. Like, when people see me... When people see me with a vein in my head, sweating, talking about this, I mean it. Aaron Judge, when healthy, is the most impactful player in baseball next to Mike Trout. I, I mean that. Defensively, he was the best defensive right fielder in all baseball last year. 
Offensively, I don't even have to talk about it. We know what he can do. And look out when Judge adjusted his stance a little bit last year and got you know more into the swing of things after his IL stint. He was on a torrid stretch, a 2017 Judge stretch in September. Remember how good Judge was in September? Yeah, yeah. He had 15 home runs in like 32 games, slugged over 700. On base was over 400, of course. I, yeah. I'm serious. Judge, we're talking MVP in 2019, or 2020, I mean, if he's healthy. Yep. Well, uh, I want to say that we covered everything that we wanted to cover today, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty depressing topics, but I feel like we yeah, hopefully we some optimism in there, though, you know? Hopefully next it, week do we have some better news to talk to you guys about. Because, like, there's a difference between this season and last season's team compared to, say, remember the 2013 Yankees? Yeah. Injuries everywhere. A-Rod, Jeter, Teixeira, Granderson, everybody was hurt. We didn't really have the depth to stomach that like we do now. Yeah. Where last year we lost more guys than we lost in that 2013 team. But we're able to survive that because our depth is so much better than that 2013 team was. And that just goes to show how, at least I think, the Yankees have become so much smarter over the last five years, not just with the draft, but also international prospects, the low-key signings, turning players and people glossed over and looked over into offensive studs. So there's probably going to be a couple guys this year on the pitching side of things and the offensive side of things that we're not even thinking of right now. They're going to make a a difference. I agree. In 2020. I agree. So, yeah, we will see you guys next week. Uh, thanks for joining us. Follow me on Twitter, at Yankees. Uh Follow Dan. Dan, what's your Twitter? Uh, at Dan Allen Rourke on Twitter and on Instagram. And follow Yankees Avenue on Instagram for sure. Also, subscribe to my YouTube. I just gave myself a total advertising. <laughs> just a <session>. total <laughs> plug. Uh, yeah, yeah, so we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. Word up.